Luke 24, 13 to 32. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about threescore furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another, as ye walk and are sad? And one of them, those whose name was Cleopas, answered and said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulchre. And when they found not his body, they came, saying that they had also seen a vision of the angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were found with us went to the sepulchre, and found it even so as the, women's he, as the women had said, but him they saw not. They said unto him, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things, and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures and things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village, whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it, and break, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. Did not our heart burn within us, while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened us to the scriptures? Thank you, Jacob, for reading that beautiful passage for us. So, Keep your fingers in that passage, and I apologize for my speech this morning. But we will manage in spite of this handicap that we're faced with this morning. What a beautiful chapter this is in Luke chapter 24. There are so many precious truths and thoughts here that one can scarcely know where to begin. As the chapter opens, we see the first division. The general opened grave and its significance to believers of all ages in verses 1 to 24. Then in verses 25, 27, and 32, we see the opened sepulchres or the open scriptures, sorry. Thirdly, we read about the opened eyes in verses 28 and 29. The next division, the fourth, comes in verses 33 to 49, the opened understanding. 
while the last division appears in verses 50 to 53, and we get a glimpse of opened heaven as our Savior blesses his disciples and then ascends into believers that they too would follow him there someday. But in the time allotted for us this morning, I would like to look at briefly uh, these particular verses, verses 27 and 32. Verse 27, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And then verse 32, and they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? This is a particularly powerful message or passage. It is powerful passage because we hear the Lord speaking to his disciples. And as he begins speaking to them, marvelous things begin to happen to them. Their understanding is opened. Their eyes are opened. And their hearts are thrilled. And of course, in the end, their faith is strengthened. So let's go back to this scene early or later uh, Sunday uh, of the resurrection. As his uh, wife, they were on the road to Emmaus. They're not only confused and despondent, but they are also desperately discouraged and defeated. They who had believed that Christ joined one of Israel who was to have redeemed Israel, but who now, very brutally slain at the hands of men, crucified on the cross of Calvary with common thieves, they now discovered that his body was gone, no longer in the grave. What a seeming tragedy this must have been to them. What went wrong? What should they do now? Where do they go from here? And it is when they were in such a state of mind that the Savior meets them on the road to Emmaus. And after scolding them in verses 25 to 26, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? He begins to dispel their despondency and to open their understanding of scripture as he expounds unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He expounds unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself himself. Have you ever wondered what it was exactly what the Lord expounded concerning himself? This has been a great delight for me to enter in. Unfortunately, however, because of time, we cannot go into it in great detail this morning. So I shall make it as brief as suitable. 
But I would add this, that I believe he expounded it to them tenderly and beautifully. All the great prophecies concerning his first and second coming, his suffering, his death and resurrection, and his glory, so that the Old Testament scriptures came alive for them. And as their understanding was opened, their hearts were thrilled at the actual fulfillment of prophecy. And this, this was the key to their newly strengthened faith. I can just see the excitement in their eyes as they marveled at the deep truths which he revealed to them concerning himself. I can almost feel the joy that they experienced in their hearts when he took them to the Old Testament tabernacle and revealed himself in it. Oh, despair not, my beloved. Do you not see how the Old Testament tabernacle was only a symbol of the new tabernacle that God had in mind? That brazen altar which stood at the entrance of the gate to the tabernacle. That was a type of Christ on the cross on which our Lord as a whole burnt offering offered himself without spot to God. And then the laver in which the priest washed before entering the holy place or approaching the altar to minister is a type of Christ cleansing the believer from defilement of sin. And then the golden candlestick typifies Christ as our light, bringing to us the full radiance of life. Natural light is shut out. The candlestick represented spiritual light. Only the Spirit of God can show us the things of Christ. And then there was the showbread on the table. It too was a type of Christ as the bread of life, the sustainer of each believer priest. The manna portrays the life-giving Christ, but the showbread portrays the life-sustaining Christ. Next, there was the altar of incense which portrayed Christ as our intercessor, through whom our prayers and petitions ascend to God. And after that was the veil which separated man from God. Only the high priest was able to cross through the veil, and that veil was a type of Christ's human body, which was torn in two, making full and open access now to God available. Now the way was open for all believers into the Holy of Holies, where symbolically resided the Godhead, represented by the Ark of the Covenant. Again, it is Christ revealed through the Ark of the Covenant. The materials themselves speak of his humanity and deity, It was constructed out of a disease-resistant wood called acacia wood. Speaking of Christ's incorruptible humanity and sinlessness, 
It was overlaid inside and out with gold representing Christ's deity and glory. Inside the ark were the two tables of stone, the Ten Commandments, representing the word of God, that Christ, the living word, who always had God's law in his heart. Also inside the ark was the rod of Aaron, which was dead, but yet came to life when it budded and produced fruit. This spoke of the death and resurrection of Christ. And finally inside there was also some manna, divinely preserved, reminding Israel of the one who was the bread of life, giver and sustainer of life eternal. Last but not least, the ark itself was used as a mercy seat in the Holy of Holies, typifying the divine throne of grace and Christ, who is our mercy seat. It was splattered in blood because of the thousands of blood sacrifices. It beautifully speaks of the coming once and for all and perfect sacrifice, Christ Jesus. And so everything is now made possible because of the cross of Calvary. Now, access to the throne of heaven was made open because of our high priest, Christ Jesus. For had he not died, had he not suffered, had he not ascended on high, he would not have fulfilled his predetermined role of the continual mediator priest between God and man. And when our Lord identified himself in the prophets, their hearts were thrilled with his revelations. He was the one whom Isaiah said that a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, Isaiah 7:14. And then in Isaiah 9:6, he, Christ, was the one whom Isaiah said, "For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God." the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And he, Christ, was also Daniel's stone cut without hands, smiting the image, becoming a mountain, and filling the whole earth. He, Christ, was the burning bush that spoke to Moses, and the pillar of fire by night, and the pillar of cloud by day that led his people Israel out of Egypt. And he, Christ, was the one whom Isaiah identified as being despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs, and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, 
smitten of God and afflicted. But, oh, I believe this was the passage that filled their hearts with unspeakable joy and renewed their hope, verifying that their faith had not been in vain. But he, Christ, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And oh, how the Old Testament must have spoken to them that day. For never before had any man spoken thus, opening their understanding. Now everything made sense. His rejection, his suffering, his crucifixion, his death and resurrection. And as the day drew to an end and they reached the village, they constrained him to abide with them and to have something to eat with them. Verse 30, And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave to them. And please notice what happened next. All during the trip to Emmaus, the Lord expounded the things of Christ. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Verse 26. But here in verses 30 to 31, their eyes were now opened. And for the first time, they recognized that this stranger on the road to Emmaus was Christ, the Lord himself. And how was that? For it was when he broke the bread and raised his hands to heaven and gave thanks that his nail-pierced hands were exposed and they knew him. This was their Lord. This was their Messiah in whom they had believed. And then he vanished out of their sight. There has never been a better, more powerful, more intimate Bible study ever given on the Old Testament than the one that the two travelers received on the road to Emmaus from the Lord himself that day. And so we conclude our message this morning, but as always, before I step down from this platform, I must ask you all this question. Do you know this Christ of the Bible as your own Savior and Lord? For he and he alone is the Savior of all mankind. There is no other Savior you are either in Christ this morning or you are not. You are either heaven bound or you are not. There is no middle ground. So if perchance you are not certain that you are heaven bound, why not take him at his word and trust him while there is still yet time? Repent of your sins and receive him now as your sin bearer and have all of your sins, past, present, and future, forgiven. 
believe his word. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's pray. Father, we thank thee for this precious story of the two travelers on the road to Emmaus with the Lord as their teacher, who expounded all the things in Scripture concerning himself. And oh, what a day it must have been to have such a lesson. But we see the results of it. We see that their hearts were strengthened and encouraged, and their faith was made sure. Oh, that we might have that kind of faith, Lord, as we daily search the scriptures to see our Savior in them. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for thy love for us in going to the cross of Calvary. Now, O Lord, we ask thee to part us with thy blessing. And if thou be not come next week, May it please thee to reunite us together again around thy table, for we do always ask it in thy name and for thy glory. Amen.